a big favor to ask from an otherwise loyal audio audience. Click on the episode's details box, and you'll see a video link to this episode. I highly recommend watching it, at least the first time around. It's video heavy, illustrations heavy, and most importantly, Gabrielle Elia gave me permission to film her for part two of El Wedi. Since we last spoke, July 2020, I was releasing an episode that you were part of, El Wedi. I think you've been on my mind consistently uh, every single episode since. And the reason for that, Gabrielle, is because your voice is magic. Um, we're going to dive deep into a book that you sent me by mail, Impressions of My Youth in Lebanon. And this is not the only book you've written. There's another book I have at home that's sort of an earlier chapter, if you will. But I'm going to emphasize this book uh, today. Let me start, though, before... Oh, there it is. Yeah, you've got it. From Mideast to Far East. You know... I'm glad you, we touched on that in the first episode together about you being born in Japan of all places. But before we get into your journey, before we get into Wedi Abujmil and the whole Lebanese Jewish community story, I did something today and I'd like to show you. Um, I think I can share my screen with you. You should be able now to see my desktop. And I decided to pull some strings and do this. We're going on a kazdura. Very nice. Where are we? The trees on the right, I don't know. But on the left, those buildings might ring a bell. Where are we? The truth is, Gabrielle, none of this is original, other than the side of the size of the road, perhaps the size of the sidewalk too. There's only one thing that's original to this part of Beirut. Uh, it was a bit complicated, but I managed to get there today. And here it is. Yeah. Really? Yes. Yes. Imagine yourself walking into Megan Abraham right now. What what are the 
what what is the mood like? Is it uplifting? Is it is it celebratory? I wanted to go in already to see <laughs> what's going on at the left, at the right. Yes, I know it like uh, my own backyard. I would have liked to go inside, but that's even more moving to be inside the because I don't know if they have any furniture there or. Before the August 4 blast, it had been restored. Yes. Post blast, a lot of the a lot of the infrastructure itself was damaged and the furniture as well. It's been fully restored once more. But that's very recent. Actually, the guy I was speaking to today said it, it was very recent that they finally finished it again. So there is furniture inside. I, I mean, I, I want to go back in. It's just I have to coordinate. So I, I love that building and the columns and the art, archway with the yellow and white. I mean, I close my eyes. I see it in front of me. You know? <laughs> I can practically hear the rabbi singing. I can hear the Hazan singing. And uh, no, it, it's very moving for sure. Yeah. And then we had the balcony for the women up there. And uh, we, we sat up, up, upstairs for special occasions. And uh, yeah, it did not look so blue because we had the, now it, it's a bit bare. That's why. So you can see the, the ceiling. Before we had so many uh, uh, lamps and uh, lights and uh, a huge chandelier that's amazingly gorgeous. They, they brought uh, from Italy piece by piece and they had to put it up together. It was magnificent. These are illustrations you took time with. And it, there's even a note. There's a note Six in the book. Years. Six years. Six years, yes. There's a reference in the book that you actually had to learn certain software, how to actually, yeah. But I'm curious, are these photos that you have that you're painting over? Okay, so these are your photos. Yeah, some of them are my photos. Some of them are some people's photos, yeah. Okay. Because I had collected so many with my first, first book about 12 years ago when I did the tightrope walkers. I included 300 pictures, but I collected over 2,000 pictures. So oh. I have a huge collection of photos, and uh, I, I use some of them for this. Well, let me start with the oldest impression in the book, which is a part of the Corniche that's gone, the old Normandy Hotel, yes. and a cafe that once stood next to the Normandy. And I think it's noted as Hamra Cafe, even though it's not yeah. in Hamra. But it's no, still... no, it's called, yeah, yeah. that's where my grandfather took me. Yes, that's where my grandfather used to take me. He used to go and play uh, uh, Sheesh and have his uh, Ergile uh, without having the wife and kids around him. And, uh, yes. I was so that's... stunned by this photo. So it's a time, old... this is that's part of the Corniche old... that's gone, completely erased. Oh. Yeah. Next to the Hamra, Hamra, can on the water. Yeah, But that part of the Corniche, the way you illustrated it, I've only seen in photos because it was a landfill during the war. You're not coming to Beirut. <laughs> it all rests on this cafe. It's gone. No, but I mean, 
the places that I know, and this one you can't, and this one is not allowed, and this one is no more. Yeah. What am I coming for? <laughs> you know, but this part of the city is something I will never experience. And this is due to the war. This was the landfill, the Normandy trash dump between West yeah. and East Beirut. But you, the setting is still there. The Ahue is still Ahue. I mean, yeah. uh, it, land reclamation. Beirut now extends oh, they, further. They all I see. Okay. So okay. the old old Corniche is no longer a Corniche. It's just a road. Oh. But, but the, I emphasize this. The reason I want you to be here is for you to actually see the snippets that are still here. Because just like Megan Abraham, there are little pieces left of your time. illustrations to me were as important as the text of course so, yeah and it, that's it's... why i insisted on putting them and it, i took six years just for the illustrations i mean the writing comes very fast but the uh, yeah drawing is something else there's an emphasis i think on community yes. and it's from page one and it's not even it's not just visual illustration there's you're you're describing how your mom makes the sandwich lebne <laughs> you know and you're 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 actually at times even you're in a way it's it's quite fun you're describing the stench of urine from men that are peeing on the side of the wall you get very detailed are you just are you sitting at home thinking back or how, how does this come back to you it comes if you tell me or show me a picture everything comes at the same time not just visual everything mm -hmm. i can hear it i can smell it i can yeah, yeah. Because not far from our house, there was uh, the bakery, Sarkis Bakery, and they used to have the best brioche ever. And next to it was the Arabic bakery that had the pita bread and things like that. But across the street was a place that had, uh, it, it was the uh, yogurt factory, and it stank to high heavens. <laughs> and further, a bit further, there was the, uh, yeah, the uh, washrooms, men's washrooms. You you do deliver things like Beirut did not smell like heaven in your youth. I mean, there are places that it's, there was stench. And also, yeah. you, you also describe, the... you describe reckless driving on George Pico. <laughs> I'm glad you did that because it's not like Lebanese have been always, I mean, it's not something new. You made it really, you said it, that people have been driving like crazy since the 40s and 50s. I never learned how to drive in Beirut. There's <laughs> no way. It's, uh, so petrified, no. 
No, it wasn't for me. So yeah. this this in this in a way very small but stable community in downtown Beirut, and you're you're growing up at a time Lebanon is changing. So your your youth and these years are really the first years of independence. Yeah. And it's very quick that you bring up instability. But the instability you bring up is not necessarily bad for an adolescent kid or for a child. It's actually fun. Yeah. So I'm going to jump a bit. So there's sections of 1958 that you're talking about as a schoolgirl or as a teenager swimming and flirting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, as much as you can take me back to that kind of a story where you're seeing your world changing, but you're a kid and you, there's an innocence there too. Definitely. And that, this is what I, I wanted to make sure. It looks very innocent. I mean, we were uh, not not uh, not conscious about uh, difficulties, but it didn't matter. We had bigger problems. Our biggest problems: did he smile at me? Did he see me? Did I look good for to him? You know, they, these were our problems. Our parents' problems were something else. Yeah, we would know what they are and uh, the politics and all that, but that wasn't for us. <laughs> yeah. It's not that you're defying the narrative. You're just saying it as an individual, and in a way, it's a very honest take on on, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's I haven't seen this before. Geopolitics happening, and Lebanese girl and her friends kissing soldiers in the water. (laughs) Now, may I ask you, Gabrielle? This 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 caught me off guard. Is it a real story? She remembers it too. Really. Oh yeah, absolutely. But we had boyfriends, but they were so silly and so not mature, not mature enough. And then you you end up with these uh, Marines who know what life is and who know how to handle a girl. Oh my God. (laughs) But you make it feel like it's really just you're in the water swimming and suddenly soldiers are swimming with you. can can you? That as... was fifty-eight. The Sixth Fleet was there, and mm. uh, I went with my uh, my dad to visit one of the uh, uh, carrier part of the Sixth Fleet. We went in, and uh, there were uh, submarines also, and things like that. No, we went in to visit. So you were able to actually approach the soldiers and go into their ship too. It was sort of an easy thing. Yeah, but not the same approach (laughs) with my dad standing there. No. (laughs) Right, of course, yeah. So you went back with your friends. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, that's, it's in a way the beginning of the end of that innocent stage in Lebanese history. So this is 15 years after independence and suddenly you have foreign Marines and I like that you take it really as a girl in the sea, how she sees it. Yeah. But even even before then, there, there's references to innocence in Wadi Abu Jamil. And I like that you're buying your shoes from a cobbler and you describe him as a quiet man, not because he's shy, but because he's busy. <laughs> he has so many <laughs> nails in his mouth. <laughs> he's so busy, yes. He and, couldn't talk. Yeah, and even these sort of references, like, give this man time, he could build the Eiffel Tower if he had. <laughs> but that's a way that is, you have to be there at that time, because it, it's it's growing in downtown Beirut. 
but it's also maybe it's fragile it's very but, fragile but it, it wasn't for us kids it was not it was it it was a, a uh, you know a warm place and you felt at ease you know we we felt at home there in all these streets in the surrounding areas we 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 were uh, yeah we were at ease at ease and also at ease with celebrating jewish tradition and these are the parts of the book i did not expect because in a way if it's there are a few of these if they're removed it's just really a lebanese story as i know it True. when you, True. When you I add... didn't want to remove it no i didn't want to remove them no i'm i'm really glad they're in there important uh, yeah to uh, to see who i am and uh, yeah so there's one i think the first one if i remember correctly it comes at the it's the tub tub spot uh festival yeah and that's, that's, that's yeah. festival of trees did i get this right Yes, yes, yes. You know, I've never heard I've never heard of this before. No, it's not a big thing. It's really mostly for the kids and uh, you know, to celebrate trees and uh, nuts and things. So for us anything was a reason to celebrate and go to my grandparents. <laughs> yeah. So tubsh this a, a smaller ceremony for kids like tubspot. Yes. If, if as far back as you can remember, was there a comfort in celebrating it too? In yeah, other words, we you're not hiding it. Parents, it was very comfortable because mm. we met all my other cousins, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, so this is, I'm guessing, 1940s, a reflection from a little earlier, that this is a a time where the Arab-Israeli conflict is not being felt necessarily directly in Wadi Abu Jamil. Yes, it was no. I I came back in forty eight. So, in forty eight. Yeah, we went smack into the demonstrations on the streets, passing by my grandparents. So on the, on Georges Pico. But what I, I wanted to go. I didn't mention it probably in the book because I I just wanted it a bit light uh, hearted. But yeah, of course, we. I, I wanted to go outside on that long, long balcony to watch the demonstration go by. And my mother grabbed me and took me in. And I was crying and fighting like a demon. But uh, yeah, they, they were shooting up in the air. And uh, no, it, it was an ugly scene. But Gabriel, would it be something like you're celebrating a festival indoors with family and friends? And then outdoors, you're seeing things change up close. Is it that sort of blunt that outside is riskier than inside? Because these are the most. I'm 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 trying to see feel how it would have been for you. Well, as mm. as as kids, we ignored the the mm. hardship. You know, mm. the parents, our parents' problems were huge. For us, no, we ignored it. That, that was nothing to do with us. You know. We felt nice and safe uh, within the family, within the community, within the society, within the area, within everything. Yeah. The reason I want to unlayer this as much as I can is because you see both as a child, you, you're aware that the parents are frightened. Is that something is that something at home you would hear them talking about what's happening? For sure. 
But mm. if it was really bad, then my parents switched to Japanese. And then we knew that it was really serious. If they don't want the kids to understand, it must be very serious. That's fascinating. So they would speak in Japanese when, oh, that's incredible. Yes. I think you're don't the, worry. You're the only Lebanese family that switches to Japanese when they don't want people to understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> so you so you have those memories of Japanese when there's something wrong outside. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. On the news, if something is uh, bad in the news, yeah, they would chat in Japanese for sure. There's something wrong outside and there's something wrong at home, but you're still innocent and you're rejecting it. Yeah. You, you take us to Ale several times and Ale... Okay. I mean, Ale to me is where everyone goes in those years to spend their summers. Yeah. And you actually, you describe how a family would take all their furniture from Beirut to Ale at a time where people didn't have two homes or they didn't have two sets of furniture. People are taking their fridge up to Ale too. The fridge was oh, a dramatic thing, yeah. No, but even the poor guy that you described trying to like take the fridge up, you feel bad for him. I can see him, you know, with just oh, sweat uh, coming down and always with a smile, poor guy. Anyway. But yeah. what, what was Ale for you as a child? Was it also this kind of adventure away from the city? Or was it really yeah, more like your parents want you to go? Great summer vacation and uh, I mean, we all went there. So that means I found lots of friends up there too. They all moved up for the summer and they all came down uh, after the holy high holidays, yes. And and also that these are not, I mean, these are there's a mixture of friends, but they're also Lebanese Jews with you in Ale. And I wanted to understand, you, you mentioned a synagogue several times in Ale. Ale is down here. Oh, but I can send you this picture, but that's the inside. I'd love that photo. Yes. You're describing Purim festivities and this kind of open display of festivities. Yeah. Not just, it's not at home. These are in courtyards. I think the one that you describe is not in Ale necessarily. It's in Wedi Abu Jmir. That's right. Yeah. In, in, under the Talmud Torah, there was a big uh, space right behind the synagogue, Magen Abraham synagogue. And uh, yeah, that's where we used to have it. How do you, I mean, if you're thinking back now to this kind of festivity as a child, yes. you, you described it in a warm way, that this is exactly how you would want this tradition to be celebrated. Why does it stand out to you? Because you make this reference a few times. You want people to experience these holidays the way you did growing up. It's usually uh, like a festival for, for kids because they can dress up. 
uh, a lot of the girls dress up as uh, Esther, Queen Esther, because it's the story of Esther. And uh, a lot of the uh, the boys uh, as Mordechai, her uncle, and uh, yeah. But uh, I mean, then it became a free for all. So you'd see the cowboys, and you see the Indians with the feathers on their head, and all sorts of things. So it, it lost its uh, religious connotation, but it was just okay. Let's dress up. It's like Halloween all over again, you know. <laughs> But I mean, you've seen these festivities in multiple cities. You've yeah. been, and you make you make reference to this, and I like it that something like you've been on four continents. You've seen holidays throughout the world, but the ones in Lebanon you hold dearly. What, what is it about the Lebanese experience to you that makes it that makes it feel better? Because you you, you, sorry, please, yeah. Yeah, it's the warmth of the community. It's really the, the togetherness, the sharing. Uh, it was like one big family. And my my kids, my girls, I, I have three daughters, and they always ask me, how do you remember so many people? When mm. we lived together, we went to school to the same school. We knew their father, mother, grandparents. And, and then I became a teacher at the Alliance as well. So I know the little ones and the next generation also. So I remember them all like, you know, like very good friends. It's is, not is like it... you go to a school and you don't know who's who and uh, yeah. maybe you, you, yeah. But you're very young and you have an appreciation for that. Yes. That That I don't think is quite common that you're able to, in a way, measure the families and you know, you once sent me a drawing of how you remember where families lived in Wadi Abu Jmir. Oh, yes, and, yes. But it's almost I, I like... the whole big thing, yes. Yeah, I, and it's yes. precision memory. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, I have a very photographic visual memory for sure. But and this... I remember where people lived and mm. uh, whose grandmother lived where. I'm but, nosy. But where does that come from, Gabriel? Is it from your father as a storyteller that you're enchanted by it? Sure, for sure. Mm. He was Mukhtar at one point. He was Mukhtar of the uh, Lebanese uh, community uh, in the 50s. And he knew everybody and he knew their story and he knew their parents and grandparents and their kids and the grandkids. Yeah. And the warmth really comes through at all times. It, it it always comes through, even even in the more delicate impressions. There's there's warmth inside, and there's also warmth uh, temperature wise. You make reference quite frequently of teenage hormones, which I thought is fantastic. You're going to the Saint George, and you're wondering, is it where the frustrations come from in this country? I'm I'm going to let you move on from here because I'm embarrassed to bring this up. <laughs> You're embarrassed what you want me to say. <laughs> well, tell me about you going to the St. George and yeah. hormones, because you mention it several times. There's there's I mean, a yeah. seeing all these uh, handsome guys, all muscles and all that. I, I described every single muscle in their body. What more do you want? I mean <laughs> I, I was really looking, I was eating them up with my eyes. What do you want? <laughs> you were. <laughs> And what I like about you is that you have no shame. You throw your friends under the bus. Whoever's doing anything, they're mentioned by name in the book. <laughs> and it's it's fun. I told her. I told her. I, told her I oh, she knows. 
Yeah, she knows. Oh, good for uh, was it Cecile? I think Cecile is always with the boys, and you're kind of. <laughs> what a... I'm not gonna repeat. You can read it again. <laughs> but there's this also. It's an innocence towards Saint George because Saint George, for many years now, has been shut down. The I mean, the activities around it have reopened, but it's not uh-huh. this little gem on the on the coast that it once was, and. Uh-huh. I, I enjoy that you're taking me back to an innocent time also for something like the St. George. We did not go to the St. George because we couldn't afford it. So we went, to, we were kids. So we went to the Bain Francais right next door. And uh, once there, we swam all the way, reckless. It was reckless. But we swam all the way to the St. George because it was uh, more fun. <laughs> but But this is also an innocent way of dealing with Lebanon that you're a child kind of budding into a boutique hotel's beach but it's it's fun there's no there's no tragedy yet meaning that it hasn't it hasn't uh, you hear it in the background but it's not impacting your life yet Lebanon is changing rapidly and you're being thrown into the 20th century, if you will. And that's where it begins to get wobbly, where you become, in a way, you make reference to slurs and you hear them. And I think you hear them in Ale. Yeah, we were young at the time and this happened actually. But uh, I mean, nothing came out of that. But uh, I mean, my, my friend... I still up till now I said how were you able to say a wusni she stood there in front of me a wusni he had a rifle I mean of course he will do it but Gabriel how how exactly does something like this happen that you you just find somebody on the street cursing at you or or trying to be demeaning and then that's so could you and it's a it's an odd thing to bring up many years later, but that kind of texture is in the book. Can can you bring it to life as much as you can? Where how you're seeing your identity exposed in a way? We, we didn't have that much of this this kind of encounters, you know, where openly they would say, uh, "You're a Jew, go back, go go away," or something like that. Uh, we're not afraid of you, or something. We we didn't really encounter that that much. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe in more covert uh, wording, maybe yes. But that we were very young. We were teenagers, and we were on our way for a for a nice outing. It just so happened. 
And uh, so he says, uh, well, you're just a bunch of Jews. I can just tack, 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 and shoot you, you know? And so my, my friend, Celia, stands there and she says, okay, shoot me. Awusni. <laughs> and then the boys came back. My brother and cousin came back and, uh, and uh, these guys ran away. Is that the first time, because it comes up kind of, comes up out of nowhere in the book that there's this pleasant experience that suddenly interrupted. No, it, me personally, I did not have that many of, of this uh, kind of encounters happening. We felt it, uh, but it was like more covert, more, uh, you know, under. But I went to the Lycée Francais afterwards and uh, Christians and uh, Muslim, and uh, I still pick up the pictures of them and I try to remember their name with a friend of mine, you know. Uh, we had, I had uh, Jad Tabit uh, in my class. His dad was the architect of the Saint-Georges. Right. We yeah. had Sudi wow. Tabit. Yeah. I think he became also uh, an architect, architect but I yeah. was, uh, wow. There was, Suli, there was a Hisham Tawil, there was Antoine Kervej. Um These are all my friends from, from the Lycée. I remember them like it was yesterday. I might not recognize them now, but I remember how they looked like at the time. But I'm glad you're emphasizing something. But you're also emphasizing something that the yeah. The uh, identity was not necessarily, uh, it wasn't under threat, that you were able to be yourself to a large degree. But is there any other recollection of, of you experiencing that kind of, let's say, not, not necessarily an attack, but it's more like you're being, you're being spoken to in a different way because you're Jewish. Is there any other example other than those incidents like in Ali that you can sort of think about, right? And they come back to you. No, I did not uh, really experience it, but I know that people did experience it. For instance, if I I went to Paris and went back and taught at the Alliance, so I didn't really go into the world of work mm, uh, in Beirut. Mm. I did not do that, mm, mm. but. Uh, other girls like like me who tried to uh, find the uh, positions to to work, they, they could not work anywhere. They they had to work just for other Jewish people as well, you know, because there was a constant fear of something happening. So and we... if we reach seventy one, that's something else. That this was the you know actually the... I'll save that for the end because the book somehow and i think this is a deliberate decision it just it leaves you waiting for everything to fall apart and it doesn't suddenly we're in montreal we'll, we'll get there towards the end because i thought that was a interesting sort of uh, way of of avoiding my next book i'm, I'm already at chapter 12 and uh, i'll be writing more about this part uh, oh god you're writing another book <laughs> I've got so much to say, <laughs> and people seem to uh, to be interested in what I'm what I'm saying and the way I'm saying it. And uh, for me, it's important. I mean, if people don't want to read it, that's okay. But I want to leave it for my children and my grandchildren. I will emphasize another holiday, Seder. 
or the Seder dinner. And the Passover Seder, yeah. Sorry, Passover Seder. Yeah, I, I was trying to emphasize my little Hebrew that I know. The this <laughs> the this this Passover Seder dinner seemed like it's the most important of these family traditions. Yeah, it's a huge, huge dinner, huge. And uh, we uh, we tell the whole story of the Exodus uh, from Egypt and all that. And uh, at my grandparents, it was gigantic. I mean, I don't know. I have a, a, a picture of it. This is an actual picture, and I'm there, and my family is there. Oh, that, that is an actual photo. Oh. Yes, 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 okay. yes. So this yes. is what I have of the that, family. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Singing or praying was a mix of Hebrew and Arabic, and, and the two languages are so close. So, uh, yeah. You also make reference to it that your Hebrew was not so advanced as a child. I mean, you kind of just, you knew what you knew what was happening, but you were rushing to get back to French and Arabic, or at least the Lebanese uh, way of talking, praying between Arabic and, and Hebrew, and also speaking French among your friends. There's like a very, very uh, expanded, flexible identity there. You can be everything. A bit of everything, yeah. There is no reference to any burial or any funeral. May I ask, is that just by chance or is that a deliberate? Uh... No, it wasn't deliberate, but girls and women didn't go to, to uh, funerals, uh, to the cemetery. But I knew the cemetery well because the, the first, uh, the older Glissée Francais was right beside it. The first, uh, I mean, we, we passed by it every morning to go to school. And the first uh, uh, tomb in there, the first uh, plaque there, the uh, the first name you could see from the street was my aunt. That's my uh, Esther Elia, who is uh, my uh, dad's oldest sister. That was the very first uh, spot there. So walking into the cemetery, the you, you that, that's the first name you would see walking in. Right, yeah. Yeah, if you go up the stairs, that's the first one. I mean, we never went in because we were not allowed, but you could see it from the street from down there. After I went to Magen Avraham, I also worked, pulled strings everywhere to try to get into the cemetery officially, not sort of the wrong way. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, <Yeah. laughs> I wanted to be there for the, you know, <laughs> seen and comfortable, not hiding. And uh, it was early. It was actually a sunny day in the morning. It was a Sunday morning. And it's the first time I've seen it with with other people, and it actually was, it was the way I think it's as close as I can get to entering a cemetery that's still being used, if you will. May I ask, are there other close relatives buried there as well? Yes, uh, thank you for sending me the uh, the uh, the site of the list. I went on and uh, I checked. Just for curiosity's sake, apart from the Elia, I have uh, my my aunt, uh, 
that's uh, my uh, my dad's sister and his brother and another sister are buried there. Rachel and Raful are there as well. Those are the relatives, the ones that appeared via the website. Those are yeah, the. Wait, I have more. Yeah, I have more. Yeah. Because I looked at the list, and my grandfather, who was born in Der Amar, is there. Also, his uh, sister, Farid, is through the family is through from Der Amar. They were all born in uh, Der Amar, but uh, ended up in Beirut. And uh, his two brothers, uh, Musa or Moiz, and uh, Skandar. There, I discovered that the, all four of them are in there as well. And I'm there are quite a few Srur. Yes, I, you know, so you're mentioning Srur. Uh, there's. According I, I, to the list, yeah, there are about 150 easily. Yeah, but I discovered four of them that I knew. Yeah. You know, I, I may have mentioned this before. I was familiar with the last Lebanese Jew living in Wadi Abu Jmir after the war yes. ended. Her name was Liza Srur Nahmoud. Yes. So she went by Liza Srur. Srur is her maiden name, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I knew her well. I knew her for many years. And I knew, she, I mean, I saw her days before she passed away, maybe now about 10 years ago or so. And it, I'm, it's, yeah. these are moments that I'm, I feel so slow and naive. I, it didn't even occur to me that. She's buried in the cemetery. And I found her well, tomb. She shouldn't be here. Yeah, I found it. You found her? I found you her. You found? You know, I, yeah. I was, I, I'll send you a photo, actually, of her tomb. I, I, yeah, I, I had yeah, to, yeah. all written in Hebrew. Oh. And uh, I had someone show me because he was, he knew. Yes. He had made yeah. it happen. And uh, I went yeah. to visit her tomb and for me, it suddenly became part of my life. Somebody I know who's buried there recently. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and you spoke with her and uh, yeah, yeah, you went up to her place. Uh, yeah. Yes. Her and apartment. I, and I just felt, I felt like I missed out on something. Of course she's buried there. Where else would she be buried? But this yeah. is also something I think in the psyche that there is this giant cemetery Yet we walk by it or drive by it. No one thinks, I think, uh, automatically that, oh, yeah, there's people still being buried there. Yeah. It's missing from history. Or it's locked in time. There's a... there's a Yeah, it is locked in time as a monument is locked in time, for sure. Yes, yes. This brings us back to the first question you asked me. How can one be Lebanese and Jewish at the same time? Well... <laughs> This is it. I mean, you find uh, Magen David in, in Lebanon. Yeah, we were there. We were there. There's no way your generation knows that they were Jews and, uh, I mean, quite a healthy community, very well structured and, uh, and no, they, they don't know that uh, we existed, no. I, I appreciate that you deliberately jump from adolescence to 
your life in Montreal. And there's a yes. there's a mention to Dali's clock or Dali's time where you kind of I think you even sorry, you refer to it as mega drawers that you're in a way packing up erratically. There's disarray. You're quick to point out you're not in Lebanon. But there's a section of your of your life, it's mentioned briefly, that you do teach in in, in the Alliance, and then you're gone. You're simply it's over and, and you're in Montreal meeting former students that reach out to you. And there's one individual named Marcel who, who reaches out and comes over. And you made it clear that you're you're connected still with this with this part We're of your still connected. He lives in Florida. We're still connected. He went to to Lebanon uh, recently, I think, in the spring. Oh, and he brought back so many pictures. I was drooling over them. Gorgeous pictures. He went all over the place taking pictures. Yeah, so well, it, it was like a trip uh, of a lifetime. But let me end this with the most challenging question. Then you refer to Dali's clock. You refer to time sort of in a standstill. You leave quickly. And that chapter of your story, anyone that's listening or watching, go to El Wedi because you you go deep into losing your father, trying to figure out where he is. You do everything you can, but then the standstill begins where there's a disconnect. I don't know why. You haven't come back since. This reference to physical concerns now is is recent, but in the last half century, why have you not made one trip home? This is really my own pure, pure I think it personal. Hurts more than you just said it. For instance, all these things have disappeared. What am I going to see? The rest of Lebanon will probably uh, remind me a lot of what it was before, but Beirut has changed drastically. Uh, I, I could be, I don't know, maybe in Dubai, uh, because Dubai wants to be Beirut now. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. With all these high rises uh, going up and all that, it's not my Beirut, you see? It's not yeah. my Beirut. Lebanon Lebanon is still Lebanon, but the, the Beirut that I knew is not there. I don't know. Uh, uh, Hamra, uh, the uh, the uh, area is still there with the movie theater and uh... the the movies are gone. But yes, there is still a. I mean, it's it's changed immensely, but there is still the shopping district Hamra. It is it is not it is not the same Hamra I grew up in. That and that was not the same Hamra that you remember either. But yeah. but I I cafes and uh, they had uh, all sorts of cafes El Dorado Cafe Horseshoe Cafe I don't know moving that that is still there but it's not a horseshoe anymore I remember a horseshoe yeah. horseshoe state, yeah it became many other things that's there's still a cafe there I believe okay. it's Costa or something like that now some international chain. But it's and I, the cafes along uh, the Grotto Pigeon uh, are they still there? The cafes of those years are not there anymore, unfortunately. The the newer still have some uh, overlooking the uh, the Rosha. 
Yes, Roche, which you actually, I, we didn't get into this, but you met, yeah, I like you just call it the rock. <laughs> yeah, Where those, that yeah it's true. <laughs> it's rocks. You're right. You're right. Those, those are still there. It's the rock. Those, those okay. cafes are there and they're, I mean, they're more touristy than anything, but they're, they're there. Uh, but you know, Gabriel, I always imagined an answer. I don't know if this is the real reason why, that somebody like me, got to discover this country because there's a lot of family here. There's a lot of extended family here, and it kind of offered a footing. You make yeah. friends later, but the family is around. Am I, am I right in suggesting that when the family is gone, that also makes it less appealing too? It's not just about buildings or neighborhoods disappearing, that the the relatives you had the ones that you loved right like yeah obviously i mean you go to see family for sure but i mean i i make friends very easily and uh, i can i feel at home anywhere but uh, lebanon has a beirut uh, has a different uh, connotation to me and i think it would hurt me more to go there and not find what i want not find the part that where I grew up, you know, and I know the buildings are go uh, all gone, uh, not only in the Wadi, Rujosh Pico is all the uh, yeah, yeah. No, that that would uh, be very sad for me, of course. The touristy areas, okay, uh, if you go on the Rausha or you go to Valbek or uh, Jezin or wherever, uh, I mean, I took you around the country quite a bit, those places, I'm sure, I hope are still the way they are. They, they'll still be, uh, instead of being around the TV or uh, around multimedia stuff, they will be still people telling tales. And uh, that's how we grew up. We listened to my father tell stories. You mentioned Omar Zanni last time, a guy with a radio show. And yes. you even, you remembered how he started that show. You remembered it word for word. That was an audio show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I just love that. That's exactly, I mean, that's how I feel. Is that really because at the end of the day, you witnessed not just a storyteller at home who was sharing his own stories of his generation, your father, and not just a broadcaster on the radio trying to offer the same thing, but that, in a way, you were capturing, whether by accident or not, a community's moment, a community's very, very narrow window in modern Lebanese history. And that story yes. quickly faded. Yeah, unfortunately faded, yes. But it, it's still well, alive and well all around the world. And I mean, I, I have lots of friends just spread all over the world. You, you can count it from from Hong Kong to uh, Brazil to uh, Panama and um, Italy and uh, anywhere in Europe, in England. I mean, we're still in touch and we still speak the same multilingual <laughs> languages, you know? And, uh, and we still share pictures and we still try to guess who's, who was that? Who were you dancing with? Who is that in the background? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, it's it's fun. It's fun. I keep very happy memories for sure of of Lebanon, in spite of everything else that happened later on.
this I love. I love that. I love it. It's a whole picture. I mean, I, I can paint it. I, it's just there. And then, uh, I mean, who needs any more? With two words, you've got the whole scene there. The whole picnic is open in front of you. It's wonderful. When you sing these songs, That's it for my no, no. When you sing these songs, uh, it, it it it's different than when I hear other people singing it. It's because I know how long you've been away. I I, I know that you've been <laughs> on for over half a century. You haven't been in this country, but you know the lyrics by heart, and they. Well, mean I make a point to know them too. Yeah, because I love to listen to them again and again. Yeah. And uh, there's there's a new one to me, uh, new of Aline Lahoud. Do you know Aline Lahoud? She sings no. beautifully. No. How can you not know her? Well, now, I, oh, now, I, now I want you to sing a song from her. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, no, I, I can't sing it because uh, she's got a voice that's just uh, fantastic. I, I mean... Uh, that's my book. That is your book. Yeah. That's my book. That's all of my book. Of course, she says, but I'm going to say, it's much more like it. Yeah. But you have to, to listen to her. She sings it beautifully. You know, Gabrielle, if it were up to me, if it was my choice, I would be doing this in person with you, not in Montreal, here. And uh, short, <laughs> short, <laughs> short of you not coming back because of the memories that you remember, they're not here anymore. I will see you in Montreal. We're going to make this happen. But I want to say, Please. really, any chance to talk to you this way or just over the phone, the way we've done, it's a treasure. And this book Thank you. is incredible because... You're a Lebanese. I'm not used to uh, such compliments. Be careful. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, this I, book is on Amazon, but I don't know if you can uh, get it in Lebanon. I'm going to put the links in the episode. Anyone that wants to get this book, they can click on the link. I look forward to the next book too. Thank you. <laughs> I, I look forward to those uh, more difficult years in your next book, and uh, we'll do an we'll do another episode then. Thank you so much, Gabrielle. <laughs>